Hi, I'm Chris. Hey, everybody. I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And it's time for some hot takes. We have not given our recommendations on movies that we have been watching since July. Yeah, we got a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, just as a reminder for those who missed our last Hot Takes episode, or maybe this is the first time you're listening to it, uh, Chris and I watch a lot of movies and we rate things on Letterboxd. And this is our chance to get together and sort of like give short reviews of the things that we've watched and give our recommendations. Either go watch or stay far away from. That's right. And we've got movies and TV and documentaries and everything else ready to go just to share with you our listeners that's right so why don't we get it started so uh who wants to go first i i guess i'll go first go ahead well you know i actually kind of have a couple of these because i kind of segued from like documentaries into actual movies and so the first one that i watched uh was haunters the art of the scare right yeah and so i don't know if you have you seen that i have not i have i've skimmed across it many times and just never sat down and watched it yeah so it's a documentary about these like mom and pop kind of like haunted houses that people like make themselves some of them only open up for four hours a year some of them are open you know all the time every day um but it, it also really kind of deep dives into the more like horrific x-rated ones where they have like naked people or actually torture people wow and to the point where people are so kind of disgusted by at least one of these people that he's gotten like death threats and he's had to move people have threatened to burn it down like and you watch videos of it and it's just like this should not be legal like i was like i would totally do that you know it was always in the um you know, pop culture stories, right. Of, of showing up this place and signing a waiver and it being like a real actual cool haunted house. No, this is not what you want to do. Where at the beginning of it, I was just like, Oh my God, I could totally do that. I would sign the waiver. I would do this in a heartbeat. Like you have to wear a mask and they pull you in the back of a truck and then you, they, they put you into the haunted house and they discuss what scares you beforehand. So they kind of customize the show a little bit, but they literally will do horrible things. Like if you're afraid of spiders, they will shove spiders in your mouth. Like live spiders? Yes. If you throw up, they will pick that throw up off the ground and put it in your mouth. Oh. They will drown you. They will lock you into coffins. They will electrocute you. They will do all sorts of things. And because you sign that waiver, there's not much you can do about it. And if you say no, at least one of these places does not have a safe word and they will not let you go until they are happy with the footage they've gotten of you. Oh, no, no. And so I'm just like, no, 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 no. But anyway, it's a it's a really fascinating documentary. I believe it's on Shudder. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so Haunters Art of the Scare. And and, and that's anyway, I give it three and a half stars just because like so like in awe of it, but also kind of disgusted and terrified by it. So that's where it kind of landed for me. But it's definitely a recommendation for any of you. Well, you know how scared I get at haunted houses or haunted attractions, right? Like, I <clears throat> I mean, listeners, like, you know I get scared at the drop of a hat. But, like, when I'm in a physical environment, especially where things can touch me or I can smell things or, like, feel things, I'm a fucking baby. Like, I am just terrified. I have to hold on to somebody and shit. Yeah. So, Well, I don't want to be, like, in, a, in an alone kind of we're trying to terrify you and traumatize you experience. I would rather, like, you know an unsupervised group visit to a multi-level hotel or something that has maybe real creatures in it and real danger. You could slip and fall, you know, there's rusty nails and shit 
fine. I'll sign a waiver. But if I wanted to go out the, the red exit door at any time, I could. Or if there was a safe word, I wouldn't mind them signing a waiver for people to hit me, touch me, push me, right? That's part of it. And I feel like that would be a really cool experience. But there's there's a line there where you don't really want to come out of it with PTSD or trauma. You know, like one of the people coming out of it was like completely beside themselves, terrified, passed out, you know, all this stuff. They had shit and pissed themselves. And, you know, on the other side of it, when they were getting unblindfolded, ungagged and everything else, they were like, at least one person was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited because I kind of want to do it, too. I want to volunteer here so I can hurt people, too. Oh, my God. And they kind of laughed and he was like, I mean, scare people. And I was like, holy shit, you know, and he got these like ex-convicts to do all of it, you know, like, and that's, yeah, it's, it's really weird and creepy that not the right people, like they've had to, to, to fire someone because he was actually giving people drugs in there and like touching them inappropriately. And yeah. Well, I don't want to like alarm you, but one of the haunted houses that we've gone to several times in Fort Worth is a charity, right? And so a lot of the people who are there running it yeah. is, you know, people who are doing their community service, right? So, I mean, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's different. Like, this guy has to hire people that are okay with waterboarding people, essentially, oh, and or have experience in doing that and things like that. And several times during the whole thing, it was kind of a very pro-Trump anti-liberal type of situation where like they were talking about Abu Ghraib and they were like, well, those guys were innocent in my eyes and things like that. Yeah. Like this is the sort of thing where sadistic people are getting their rocks off. You know what I mean? I'm sort of intrigued by this. You don't want to place yourself in those hands. So, but anyway, that's a, we've talked a lot about this one watch. (laughs) So you need to watch it. But that, that segued into me wanting to watch Hell House LLC. Yay. Also based off of a recommendation you made like a Halloween or two ago Mm -hmm. on one of your top tens. And I also gave that three and a half stars. I really enjoyed it. And it makes me kind of want to watch the sequels, even though I've, I've heard they're, you know, as in, some of them are as interesting, but not as good. So I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I haven't seen the sequel, so I don't know. But I really enjoyed that that first movie. It scared the shit out of me, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like found footagey, right? And I mean, yeah. it was. I mean, I I really liked Literally. it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it's it's a found footage horror movie, and it it like scared the shit out of me. So I yeah. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, it was way better than I thought it was going to be because I kind of came in with really low because I'm not, you know, a huge who is found footage, you know, horror film fan. If they're done well, you know, I mean, like, I'm OK with it. Yeah. You know, like one thing I was really against them, like um, after Blair Witch, because it was kind of the, basically the first one. And there was such a huge thing about it. And people were just like hoodwinked by the whole, oh, this is actually real. I'm like, no, it's not, you idiots. <laughs> you know, some of my friends were like that. And anyway, so after that, there was a couple of like clones that came out. Some of them were OK. And most of them were shitty, you know, but then Paranormal Activity came out, which is ritualistically shit on by the horror community, you know, at all. But I really enjoyed some of the uh, paranormal activity movies. I thought some of them were really good and really effective, you know? So honestly, it just goes to show you yet again, that we can't just, you know, judge books by their cover or like say no to all genres or subgenres, right? We have to like judge everyone, every single creation by its own merits, you know? So anyway, I, I, I do recommend Hell House LLC. It's a great fun watch, especially if you're interested in like a nice Halloween movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. So, I mean, I, I would like to yeah. know what other people think about it. Um, based upon that, then I have watched a couple of movies that you recommended to me. Oh, so, uh, I'll start off with, finally, I watched the Hitcher, 
the remake from 2007. Okay. And I, I know that we talked about this um, in our recent interview with Nikki on our Shooting the Flames episode, and I said I was going to go watch it like that night. Right? Okay. I didn't. It took me a couple days or a week to watch it <laughs> really i mean i i mean like after we record you know I, I, I sometimes go and watch a movie or sometimes not but i did finally sit down and watch the hitcher and you have been telling me to watch this movie for quite some time yeah and it really took another person like calling me out on it too to to go watch it and um i liked it i did um I um, I rated it three stars. Um, I would even say three and a half, maybe, but I I three is what I stuck at. But I, I kept comparing it to the original, which I like a lot, you know. Yeah. And and so I just I I think that the original is a little bit better. But I did like how they ramped up sort of the action in this movie a yeah, lot. And and you know I don't really remember I I didn't really remember my overall feeling of the film versus like specific scenes that were super effective. There's a cop chase scene in there mm-hmm. that's super effective that kind of dials it to eleven a little bit and it kind of comes you know unexpectedly and so. I really liked that scene. I remember that. And I was like, there's some really cool scenes in here. It's actually really well acted and competently made. And so I knew that you'd enjoy it. So I'm sad to see that it's only a three star, but I kind of understand because I, I know that the whole movie in and of itself has to be judged. I do like, I mean, I, I liked the action a lot and I, I know that they, they changed that, that killer quite a bit to, to sort of fit this movie and sort of fit the time in which it was made. Yeah. And um, I mean, it, it was good for those merits. I will say this though. If I see a man shooting a gun at a helicopter, I damn where better see that helicopter crash to the ground. So he like shot that helicopter and I was like, well, where did it go? I don't remember a huge explosion. <laughs> just like come on michael bay the fuck out of it or something (laughs) yeah definitely it could have been michael bay a little bit but it was good enough i think for what it was um it's also always fun to see new and interesting ways for sean bean to die (laughs) well with that being said i also watched silent hill in which he did not (laughs) but i'm he glad survived. you finally watched silent hill and i think you just finished that up today yeah so yeah i started it yesterday and i was having a buffering problem with my tv and so i i finished it today when i got home from work and i will say that the second half of this movie is a lot better than the first yeah it, it does a lot of exposition and kind of introduction to the town of silent hill um you know one thing that I love about that movie is the creature effects, which I always thought were CG and they're not a lot of them. Um, especially like the little gray chill burnt children thing with the no arms or whatever. Oh my God. Yeah. Like that's literally like elasticy see-through stuff that they painted and it made it, and it's so warpy when it moves that it looks like it had to be CG, but it's all in camera. And I was just like, Holy crap. When I watched the making of it and also the atmosphere of the film is really 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 good and i love that it's like on this repetitive you know you hear those sirens those like Mm -hmm. atomic sirens or whatever and then everything just kind of gets dark and changes and i just love the whole idea of that and i thought it was at least visually really well pulled off visually yes i mean like looking at this movie is incredible the creature effects are great like the the fact that you're talking about those little small children from the beginning i thought that was by far if they did cg that would have been the cg part of it the rest of it i thought was like costume effects but that's incredible so yeah i just i 
I really enjoyed the movie just looking at it. I enjoyed all the like the creatures and the different like horror aspects of it. And I really enjoyed Alice Creek a lot in this movie, yeah. like giving her best <laughs> Margaret White performance, you know? Yeah. It was it was good for those things. And I, I will say that that is what saved it for me. Because the story to me is kind of like Lucy Goosey. But, you know, it really saves itself toward the back half of the movie when they're showing that like flashback of why things are going on and what happened before. And it's sort of like shown in this like um, grindhouse kind of like, you know, distorted film kind of way. I was like, this is perfect and great. This is why people like horror movies. And then they got to those fucking nurses. And I was like, this is why I like horror movies as a gay man. <laughs> so like, stylized. Every single one of those creatures are, are fairly iconic in a way. And I cannot forget the fucking like pyramid head daddy guy yep. walking around with no shirt on. I was just like, and I no like pants. this movie. He's got <laughs> his, his ass is hanging out the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with it for sure. <laughs> so I gave that 3.5 stars. So a little bit more than the hitcher and, but only because really, I think like it was just so neat to look at mm-hmm. and I can see how horror fans would like this movie a lot. You know, yeah. I, I, I read a lot of people like poo pooing this film and saying that it's terrible and you just have to look past sometimes like things that are bad and just look at the things that are good for a minute Yeah, and it can totally, make a movie just that much more enjoyable i thought it was a good popcorn horror flick especially for those of us that like design and aesthetic you know i completely agree and so i i I really enjoyed watching it quite a bit and of course you recognize the actress from uh white noise yes deborah cara unger Mm -hmm. yeah um i also saw today it's a little off topic but crash that movie i was talking about from white noise is going to be a a criterion edition made (laughs) oh okay well there you go yeah, maybe we should cover that maybe sometime. So, continuing my jaunt down documentaries that lead me to horror movies, <laughs> <laughs> I saw Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, and so this is all about um, you know the teenage actor that starred in A Nightmare on Elm Street Two, Freddy's Revenge, and about that story and how all the gay subtext was there and wasn't really ready to be. Um, accepted by audiences because it 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 to me it it really stopped being subtext so much it was like text in some cases yeah (laughs) and it's super obvious and um a lot of people feigned ignorance in the making of it and all the blame for for how badly it was received went on this actor and how it affected his life and also kind of the story of how he kind of came into his career in the eighties during the kind of right, right before the height of the AIDS crisis and what kind of happened after. And it's kind of a tragedy. And, but, but now he's, he's going around and he's speaking and he's going to these, you know, um, horror events and everything else. I overall, I gave it a three and a half stars because I thought it was a really cool story and it was interesting. I think you rated it slightly less when you saw it. Yeah. I gave it three stars when I watched it. And I, I'm not quite sure why really. I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie and I enjoy his story and I, I, they didn't quite bring it home as far as like the meaning of what this, the movie is about, like the, the documentary, right. Is it about him and his life or is it about the movie and like the making of it? it? It didn't quite gel somewhere. There was some sort of disconnect, but that's the story itself. And I think overall it would either work better if it was like a movie 
told in interviews, but then showing like reenactments versus, Mm -hmm. you know, a documentary about that side of the making of the movie itself versus this person's life, you know, like, so there was a little bit of a disconnect there, but anyway, I did like the parts where he got to sit down with like his castmates and director, right. And talk about the things that were happening on set and whether, whether or not they felt the same way. Right. And you, it's, it's all building up to that. His like confrontation with the writer of the movie, right. Who's also gay. Yeah. And I, mean, you know, I, 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 I felt like there should have been a little bit more of a comeuppance or something, you know, like I, I wanted a, a bigger climax maybe. And I, I feel really bad for this guy. Cause I, I like a Nightmare on Elm street part two. I, I like him, you know? And mm-hmm. I, um, I, and I feel for him as a gay man. I, I think that a lot of gay actors are sort of either typecast or just not given work, especially back in the eighties and early nineties. And, so, I mean, like his yeah. plight is, is something that we should all pay attention to and try to avoid, you know, when it comes to casting and things like that now. But, yeah. um, and as far as that final kind of confrontation between him and the author, you know, it's like, I'm sure the filmmakers would have loved some sort of like scream fest that ends in tears or something, but these people are more mature than that. And they had an adult conversation, you know, right. and the guy forgave him almost immediately, like before I probably would have even, you know, he was just like, well, I'm, uh, he gave this half-assed, like, I'm sorry you feel that way kind of apology. And he's like, well, I accept that apology. I was like, what? <laughs> so I don't know. You know, that's part of it. That's just life though. You know, that's, that's the issue with documentaries. You know, so you don't always get the Hollywood moment that you want because it's real life, you know? But, yeah. You can't write it. You, you know, know, that's so- fine. What movie did that lead you to watch? Of course, that led me to watch Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, which I gave three <laughs> <Yay>! stars. <laughs> Which is just like, I didn't want to like hate it. You know, I don't love it. Don't hate it. It's somewhere in that meh area, you know, kind of on the good side of meh, you know, just because it's so, I don't know, kind of quaint for its time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for, for what people call like one of the gayest horror movies ever made, it is kind of quaint. Right. Can you, can you remember the last time you watched this though? I mean, like before it must've been 15 years, at least if not 20 years, you know, Uh, but I, I still, course the original is i haven't rated that ever but i need to go back and watch the original again because it's been quite a few years as well probably when i watched them all in a string together watch the whole series and i you know so obviously at least a couple hours longer than i watched this one the last time so um but i remember that one being much better so i think i think and, and as a classic the first one is probably going to end up being like a four or four and a half on my on my rating, but I need to go and rewatch it. So where do you stand on the whole, like, it's a really gay movie aspect. Do you, did you see like the gay subplots and things like that? And you know, it's like, yes, it's like I said, the subtext becomes text, you know, it's just yeah. right there, but it's just kind of blue balls because, you know, you want it, if it was made in modern times, you know, it wouldn't, it would have been like love Simon, but a horror movie, you know, <laughs> it would have, <laughs> and that's kind of what we need at this point. <laughs> yes, so. I think so. I don't know. I mean, I like that movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. It's been a while since I've seen the entire series. So I, mean, yeah. I think that's probably due for a rewatch for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, this is sort of also recommended to me, but after we did our aliens episode back in July, especially your top 10 that you gave us of like, aliens and horror film, I wanted to go back and do some watching. And one of the movies that I watch is something that you recommended to me for quite some time. And it was attack the block. Okay. And I thought it was a fantastic movie. Just like, I just loved it so, so much. Like for, for aliens and horror and everything, I thought it was just 
great. And I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to like put into words and it's, it's been a while since I've watched it now. Cause that was, you know, a couple of months ago at this point. Yeah. But, uh, John Boyega, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. He was so good in this movie. Yeah. And I really enjoyed just like the, um, like the, the small, like London aspects of it, this tiny community sort of fighting up against the things that are coming to get them. And yeah. not to mention these aliens are fucking incredible looking. Yeah. Right? They look awesome. Like glowing mouths and shit, like coming at you. Like it was just a really good kind of gory, kind of fun, touching movie. Like it made me cry a couple of times. Yeah. And that so. movie just came out of nowhere. And I don't know. I don't remember it really in the theaters. I just remember being like, you know, there's this kind of a buzz about it. So I finally just like picked it up and watched it. And I was kind of blown away by it. And that this thing could just come out of nowhere and be so ridiculously, I think it's fairly low budget too, but be so ridiculously good, you know? And so I was just, I needed you to, to have seen that. <laughs> so I'm glad and you I'm so it. glad that I did. I mean, cause it's one of those movies that you're like, I'm, I was scared by it. I was uh, laughing at it. I cried at it. Like it ran the entire gamut of emotions for me. And it was just a really good watch. And I'm kind of sad that I didn't see it, you know, when it first came out. So I could be telling people to go watch this movie more than I, you know, have been since I watched it. But yeah. I really, really enjoyed that movie. So if y'all have not seen Attack the Block, definitely go and watch it. So, and it, it was in your top 10, right? I th- yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I think it was. And um, I also watched, I rarely ever go back and watch like the quote unquote classics. Yeah. Right. Like I tend to watch things from like 1970 to the present day more often than anything else. But, you know, we were talking during our episode on Alien and I know we mentioned Forbidden Planet. Yep. Because they sort of like took some aspects of that movie to make Alien. Aliens and horror films. Yeah. Right. And so I sat down to watch Forbidden Planet because I've never seen it before. And by God, it is like I, I can totally see where a lot of like science fiction horror is like stemmed from this particular movie. Yeah, I need to see it. I still haven't. But I know how how good it is based on, you know, its legacy. And of course, your rating, you rated it four stars, right? Yeah, this is a four star movie for me. I was I enjoyed it the entire way through. I thought it was great. And Francis in this is so good. And I know I mean I always know her from that movie just from that line from Rocky Horror Picture Show, like mm-hmm. one of those in that song and Francis stars in Forbidden Planet, yep. right? And Francis and- stars in Forbidden Planet. Yeah. But it's good. I could totally see like where they took things from that movie to bring into Alien itself. Mm-hmm. And it was incredibly like neat to watch it from that point of view, having just watched Alien at that particular time and having seen Alien so many times before that. Yeah. I will also add in that Leslie Nielsen is in this mm-hmm. movie. And he's quite the fucking looker, really. Like... I know I, I sort of remember picking him maybe as like one of the hottest guys whenever we did creep show. Right. But, <laughs> and this is in the before times, right? When, before he had white hair. Yeah. And he's, he's super good looking. <laughs> so, I mean, like I definitely, I think you should watch this movie. I know you would love it. And I, it's kind of rare that we go back and watch things, you mm. know, from that particular like time period in cinema. I don't think on the film flamers, we've ever covered anything that was made before 1970. 
No. Well, I, I, I mean, well, on Rosemary's flashbacks, Baby, we right? did. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there was some 60s in there. Yeah. But and that was late 60s. So, I mean, I think that we're, we maybe do for a, a classic choice at some point yeah. and mm-hmm. just like talk about it. So based on classic choices, uh, we just recently covered Poltergeist. And I know I talked a little bit about watching the remake, you know, before, but I did go back and I watched the remake. So I, instead of going back in time, I went forward in time to 2015 from 1982 and <laughs> watched the remake of Poltergeist, <laughs> which I gave a two and a half star, you know, um, kind of a meh movie to me because they did so many things well, technically. But all of those emotional beats just fell flat to me uh, or they just went the opposite direction. Um, and I, you know, I just, I, I think that it was almost like a paint by numbers film, you know, they had the property and they wanted to just do it. It was time and they needed to find, uh, you know, director that, and team really, that was really super passionate about it. You know, both director and producer, you know, they need to find some like writer, producer, you know, directing combo. That's just as passionate about it as Spielberg and Hooper were, the first time around, but I don't know. That was kind of a dream team to make the first poltergeist and everything kind of came together. So it's like either just don't remake it or find people that are going to really, really do it justice or do something different. Like we know that the Rousseau brothers are going to try their hand at it. So I'm, I'm interesting. I'm kind of, I don't know, tentatively excited about that, but also tentatively worried. <laughs> so. Let's see. I'm not sure where to put my emotions. <laughs> yeah, I have not. So I saw it in the theater and then I purchased the movie and I have not. It's still wrapped up on my shelf. I haven't watched it since then. So it's been five years since I've seen it. Okay. Um, I need to revisit and just see because I, I didn't I didn't hate it. You know, I just. um Yeah, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Yeah, it was it was there, you know, so. But I get it when you're talking about like, you know, losing the emotional connection to a movie. Right. And a lot of that can be like the nostalgia you feel around it or the performances that you feel in that movie. Mm -hmm. And really just like, sometimes you just need a good cry. Right. Yeah. And, and this just didn't do it for me. (laughs) No. (laughs) Did did anything make you cry? Uh, Yeah. So I, I really just needed to like watch something that I knew would make me cry. I don't know. I feel a catharsis sometimes (laughs) in that. And um, I just wanted to do it. And so I sat down and I watched still Magnolias with my husband. Cause I know that I, that movie will make me cry every single time that I watched it. Except this time I went just a little bit overboard with the crying. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, from like the opening credits, like when it, <laughs> like the music started playing and Daryl Hannah's walking down the street, I started to cry. And then I started to cry even harder and I cried the entire way through the movie, so much so that my husband just wanted to like kick me out of the room or leave himself one of the two, yeah. I think, which is probably more likely. Yeah, I, I was feeling that too. I was feeling a bunch of pent up frustration and stress and emotion and everything else. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people are feeling like that. We're basically a powder keg as a country right now anyway. Yeah. And I was a powder keg. So I had to do kind of the same thing. And so I watched the deep end of the ocean. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And you know, maybe this is a little bit more horror adjacent than (laughs) 
mm-hmm. <laughs> than Steel Magnolias. But, you know, it's obviously it's Michelle Pfeiffer and she's lost her her youngest child. And and the whole story of losing a child and then actually finding them again and what happens to the family. It's like two, watching two different like slow moving train wrecks or nuclear bombs on, on a family, you know, in, in two different points of time. And, you know, I like I said, I am not a crier in movies. I really am not. I'm not. And but this thing had me going <laughs> the entire movie. I really wanted like a really awesome, cathartic, ugly cry. Claire Dane style ugly cry, but I yeah. didn't, it didn't give me that, but it probably has an award on my shelf for the longest sustained cry that I've ever had in a movie. There's <laughs> about 20 minutes in your crying and it just doesn't stop till the end of the movie. So yeah. Again, I have not watched this since I saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm due for rewatching this one. And I enjoyed myself crying so much during still Magnolias that I would probably enjoy crying during deep into the ocean as well and i do like michelle pfeiffer yeah so uh when's the last time you saw still magnolias oh probably about 10 years ago yeah i I try to watch it like every like maybe three or four years Mm -hmm. right and this is one of the movies that i just know all of the words to like if i i could sit down and recite still magnolias to do to you like i, like I could rec- sit down and recite clue to you if i wanted sure. to i just know the movie so well right and you would think that after all all these viewings and all these years it wouldn't be so like sentimental but i mean either i just really needed that cry or that movie just provides that cry so well mm-hmm. i don't know you know so I mean, I would like to know if our listeners are also looking for things that make them cry or if it's just us. Well, we've (laughs) also been toying with the idea of adding a cry rating. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And how do I I rate like an ugly cry versus a sustained cry? You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, we we have to come up with some sort of like system to do this. Because even in like Poltergeist, we're talking about the number of times that we cry or like the first, second, third time, whatever. And I mean, it happens in other movies that we've covered before. So I know you say you're not a crier in movies but i mm, i don't really buy that i think that i think you are a crier in movies maybe just not as much as i me. get a little teary-eyed <laughs> you know sometimes a single tear but like deep into the ocean i had the single tear just constantly streaming down my face i think i had a red line down my face <laughs> <laughs> have we ever watched a movie together where i just like bawled at no Maybe I've just contained myself around you so much. I don't know. I mean, ask my husband. I will just like no, like we've we've just happened to miss them, right? And so like I I remember yeah. like as a group, like I had to go and do something, but as a group, like friends were at my house and they watched like American Tale or something. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I we've you, watched American Tale together. <laughs> no, I ha- we we have it. It was you and like a bunch of our friends, and I had to go do something else for some whatever reason and i came back and y'all were just finishing up american tale <laughs> and oh my god like you were your eye- no and you were just like drying your eyes and i was like i missed it <laughs> i remember that day i swear to god because that movie also makes me cry a lot yeah so i mean maybe you weren't there maybe i was just so teary-eyed that i couldn't even see who was around me but i remember like bawling my eyes out in your little <laughs> home theater watching american somewhere tale. out there <laughs> yeah see i will cry for the rest of the episode we can't do that (laughs) (laughs) all right well what else you watch um you know i am a huge fan 
of Unsolved Mysteries, like I said. Oh. And I know that we have talked about uh, the the new series on Netflix coming out. We talked about it on a Shooting the Flames, like way back when it was first like announced. And so when it was released, I had to pour through all of it. I just had to. And I loved every single episode. And it's so different from its original format and it's just i mean it's like it's like a modern unsolved mysteries yeah. right there's no there's no way to explain it there's no host right but we're given these like six mysteries and they have an hour to tell you everything they know about it to get you to sort of like solve the crime mm-hmm. right and these mysteries sort of like run the gamut of like strange deaths to actual murders and hunting for a murderer or to like alien invasions sort of near where you live currently. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it was just a really, really good show. And I, I just, I, I love the show of it. And I know that they have more of them coming out in October. Ooh. So yeah, I, I watched the first episode. I thought it was really good. That's the one where the guy was like found dead on, yeah, off that building. Balcony, right. Yeah. Or yeah. The, yeah. Off the side of the building and like his flip flops were on the roof and everything. And yeah. And strangely, his phone was not damaged and shit like that. Yeah. I was just, it was, yeah, it was good. But that sort of like brought about this whole like true crime renaissance for me, mm-hmm. right? Because I I mean, I like true crime. And I, I think over the years, I've sort of like outdone it. And I, you get to a point where you're like, I don't want any more of this, right? Yeah. Especially when it comes to crime, because it's 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 very sad. And there's, there's victims involved. And you don't want to like take joy and knowing that someone's misfortune is sort of like the reason why you're getting entertainment, right? Uh-huh. I mean, like it, it weighs on the conscience, maybe. But um, I watched a couple documentaries okay. after Unsolved Mysteries, and one of them was Abducted in Plain Sight, <gasps> and it's a Netflix documentary, and um, it's really just about this guy who... Yeah, you told me about this. Yeah, it's so fucking creepy and just like sick this man just was in love with this young girl and did everything he could to like be around her and and, like brainwashed her entire family into thinking that their relationship was normal Mm -hmm. and i mean it made me sick and i was just like that should happen on the edge of my seat watching it and (laughs) it's just terrifying because i even i know a story my personal anecdote from my life about that like not personally connected to me but and i told you over the phone after you watched it and it was just like that's right like holy shit i didn't know this was kind of like normal (laughs) well obviously it's not normal but i mean (laughs) that it (laughs) actually happens uh, you know on on a frequent occurrence or something i mean like i was just like flabbergasted and i I, you know i've known some people who have watched this and said you should watch it it's it's like interesting or terrifying and until i sat down and watched it i was just like not prepared next level gaslighting Yes. But even more so than that, I watched a documentary called Tales of the Grim Sleeper. And this was the opposite of the other one. Like, it it made me mad. Oh. But, like, ten times more than that. And so, like, this was a serial killer that's been apprehended recently. Okay. And he's been killing people since the 80s. And so, I mean, we're talking, like, a 20, almost 30-year career quote-unquote as a serial killer and well, yeah, how, how that, prolific was he during that time i mean it could have been hundreds oh right? god so whenever they arrested him they found all these pictures that he had taken of women right like snapshots or polaroids 
Some of them can be identified as his victims, and some of them are still unidentified. And they're asking the public, like, do you know this woman? Because he would pick up, like, prostitutes, sex workers, and or people off the street. And he was operating in Los Angeles and in the parts of Los Angeles that, you know, police just didn't go to right and so like there was a lot of like racial motivation here and no one warned the public that someone was after these african-american women and lives could have been saved it's just the most infuriating documentary to know how many people he could have killed and that you know people didn't speak up just because they are you know african-american sex workers or you know drug users or things like that and it's just like I think it's so timely right now to go and watch this and just realize that, I mean, if you think that we don't have some sort of systemic racial problem going on in our law law enforcement, like go watch this movie and you will completely agree that things have to change and we have to do better. And it's called Tales of the Grim Sleeper. And you rated it four Tales stars. Tales of the Grim Sleeper. It's, it's really good. And I, the best part about this movie is that a woman knew the man, the Grim Sleeper, the serial killer, and escaped him. And she takes these documentarians on the streets of South Central Los Angeles to go look for people who could have known him or show him the places that he frequented and things like that. And she, I mean, like she acts just like a normal person. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's, she's showing him these things, but she, she doesn't change the way that she is. And she, she doesn't color code anything. She's like, we, we could have saved a lot of lives if we have just like done the things that we should have done just as basic human beings. And I just, I really loved this. I, I don't think that I'll be going back to true crime for a while because like it's it's really depressing actually and I, I I can't like I can't just watch it all the time right but I really highly recommend this documentary I think it's great if you're a fan of true crime you should watch it yeah. it's you're doing yourself a service well I also watched one more documentary what's that and it's called rewind I have no idea what this is so it's it's really kind of fascinating in a kind of depressing way um so it's about this this guy who grew up in kind of a normal family and his father had two brothers and one of those brothers has a son so he's got two uncles and uh, a cousin on his father's side and they his his father is like a videographer like um makes commercials and and has had his own production company makes documentaries actually one of them won an oscar or or an emmy or something recently and um his son is also a a filmmaker and so he went back to all those old vhs's of all you know because they would film everything and so kind of uncovered like his childhood and where he was happy and then it's like to a certain point and then when he became like violent and depressed and and angry and everything else and kind of showing what happened and the things in the background of those family videos and stuff and kind of tells a story and so what you find out essentially is he was like habitually raped oh my god by his father's oldest brother and his father's uh second oldest brother and one of those uncles sons as well so two uncles and a son separately were like abusing him and raping him as well as at least one of them his sister and it's the story of all that and the story and it it kind of unveils it as it goes along and so it shows like the court cases for each of them and how the worst one 
kind of got away with it. And he was like an opera singer of like a famous opera singer in New York and everything else. And like, it's just batshit. And it's, it's, you know, it shows kind of the aftermath of that and justice being served and not being served and what this kid had to go through. And they putting this kid up on the stand and all those old videos and talking to the lawyers sitting down in the original courtroom. And it's just fascinating. I gave it four stars. It's tragic, it's depressing, but it's it's really, really interesting the way it was made. So I, I highly recommend it. And it's called Rewind. I think I might have to watch. I, ju- I, I just said I wouldn't watch <laughs> any more like true crime or something. And I I would sort of like put that in the true crime area, right? Mm-hmm. But I, oh, that sounds very, very depressing. I, it's not though. I mean, because it's done in such a way where you know it, as it tells you these things happened, you know that they kind of got their comeuppance more or less. Right. Okay. And so, so people were brought to justice at least. Right. And it's showing that how he got past it and it goes to his child psychologist and they're looking at all the drawings he made in the sessions and, and when they had breakthroughs and everything else. And so it's, it's, it's very touching and it shows you how brave this kid was and everything else. So as depressing it is, it's also very uplifting, you know? So it's just, it's not that way, you know, you're not going to come away from it wanting to throw yourself down a you know, staircase. You're just not. It's it's not like that. So it's it's worth seeing. It's not going to put you off. Where could I find this? Uh, I think I saw it on Amazon. It was on Prime. Okay. So, well, did you watch any more TV? Right. I know you said you watched the first episode of Unsolved Mysteries, but I know you must have watched something else. I did. I watched three different series on Netflix, and I keep trying these Netflix series out. If it can't hook me in the first or second episode, I kind of give up on it. You know, and there's been like a few like sci-fi shows recently that because I really love sci-fi, and if they they put petty human drama in there, if they make it too like teenagery, like I check out. Like I want like adult fantasy and adult sci-fi. You know, mm-hmm. well, which is why when I find that, I really, really, really recommend them, but no one ever watches them. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, you haven't seen That's the boys the yet. You haven't seen um, what's the sci-fi show that I've the Expanse. The Expanse. Oh my god. Yeah, um, you still haven't seen that. Like these are all like so 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 good. They're not forgotten though. They're definitely on my list. I know this. So anyway, um, I watched. I got sucked into Warrior Nun. (laughs) (laughs) When you told me you were watching something called Warrior Nun, I was just like, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds good. Well, it's really really well made. It's you know, and it's just it's really well made, and it's it's not as good as I want it to be, (laughs) but it's kind of like a like a, a new version of Buffy in a way it's the closest thing I would say. Yeah. Um, but it's not as clever and it's not as fun, you know, and they're all like fucking nuns. <laughs> so it's really interesting. It's really good. Like if you're, you know, pick it up, see if you're interested, if you don't, if it doesn't hook you by the first or second episode, then just let it go. Um, this is not a hill I'm going to die on, but I enjoyed it and I'll, and I'll pick it up for the second season whenever that comes out. I mean, you sort of have me at it's kind of like Buffy, right? And so, yeah, yeah, that's that's enough of a review for me to to go and watch that. My husband right now is rewatching Buffy, mm-hmm. so yeah. I also watched Cursed on Netflix, and I don't know what that is either. <laughs> so essentially, it's a King Arthur story. Um, oh, but it takes it's basically the woman who had Excalibur and was kind of the the leader of the fey creatures and you know all of them uh before merlin and arthur kind of came to power but merlin and arthur are in this in the show and it's kind of an off take you know of that and it's it departs obviously from the the most 
traditional ways of telling those stories, you know, because there's been a lot of different mm-hmm. Arthur, Arthur's. There's been a lot of different authors over the years, as well as Arthur's over the years, <laughs> you know, depending on what you're watching, whether it be a Disney movie or reading a book or this or that. There's a bunch of different stories, um, you know, and so this has to do with essentially the story of the Lady of the Lake and that she was a real person before she became the Lady of the Lake and kind of her story. And it's based off of a book. Uh, or a book series based on that that uh it's it's really interesting and it's it's like again not as great as i want it to be (laughs) but it's adult enough for a fantasy show and dark enough that i enjoyed it and so yet again if you watch the first or uh, first you know episode or two and you get into it then great um you know i i do recommend it so well would you say if you if they made a second season of these shows would you watch them yes like I mean, yeah both warrior nun and cursed especially cursed i'd like to i probably would watch cursed more than warrior nun um even though i'd say warrior nun is a little bit more like actiony entertaining in that way versus cursed is a little bit darker um but more angsty in a way i don't know it, it you just have to kind of check it out yeah I've, I've never known you to talk about like our Arthurian legends like too much but it seems like something that you would like i, no. I mean it seems like something my husband would like a lot too so well, i love the camelot musical so <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the one Arthurian thing i've heard you like talk about and sing it's may <laughs> it's may the lusty month of may <laughs> oh if ever i should leave you <laughs> don't get me started yeah. And I watched one final TV show recently on Netflix, and that is AJ and the Queen with uh, none other than RuPaul. <gasps> Yay! I haven't seen this, and I should have. Like, I'm the worst gay man. <laughs> I don't know. It's good. Um, I I hate when Texas is presented on TV because it's like they have to do the stereotypes of each location to make them believable or something. And it's just like, yeah. no one is like that in Texas. And they should have showed the Rose Room and, you know, in Dallas and everything else, but they did it like, and, and showed some of the Dallas Queens, but they didn't really. And, um, you know, and I, I have a feeling like they did the same thing at every location that he went to. Cause it's kind of a road trip, you know? Yeah. And, um, so that's kind of weird because they really could have taken advantage of of the local queens and, and the local, you know, uh, things. Because I think there's like a Sorted Lives movie that came out recently with like Leslie Jordan that actually was shot in the Rose Room in Dallas. You know? Yes. So it's like, why don't you sort of wedding. Do, do, yeah. do that, you know, but whatever. So it was good. Um, I liked it. it. It feels like they were trying to go for something a little bit more serious and somber, but the end result was a lot more, you know, lighthearted and draggy and not very deep you know but it got me going enough to where i actually binged it all in one <laughs> in one wow. sitting so i watched it all so it was yeah it's cheeky enough um you know and the, the laughs come enough and and often enough that it's um it's fun enough to watch the, the wacky hijinks and it was enough to me to, to make me watch it all in one sitting so you know if you're into that sort of thing watch it it's not horror but whatever i love rupaul's drag race right you know this i have not seen one episode of of drag race so and so like a lot of the queens that are on aj and the queen are from the show like different cast members from different seasons right and so that's the reason why i really i really wanted to watch it and my husband watched it before i could and he he liked it and it's definitely on my list chad michaels mostly because i actually shot a documentary of chad michaels back in college before drag race or anything (gasps) Was, yes. <laughs> was where any of these people were famous um and i also recognized katya um i didn't yes. really recognize anyone else oh 
besides our, uh, uh, there's a kind of a local-ish uh, queen in Dallas uh, called Kennedy Davenport. And I, and I, oh, I love Kennedy Davenport. Um, I really think that you should take this opportunity that you've seen AJ and the queen and go watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Right. I just, I, I think you should do it. It's on CBS All Access, all the fucking seasons, you know? You could binge it all. Have you watched the um, Uh show with Trixie Mattel and Katya? Oh, with, with Katya? Yes. It's so funny. Oh, my God. I Katya's one of my favorite queens from RuPaul's Drag Race. I think she's just fucking hilarious. She has a, a, a one-woman show that you can watch. So, like, never watched Drag drag race but i watch all their youtube shows like i watch will and belly belly's show and i watch yes you know and i watch trixie mattel and i watch katya you know but i you know and of course i went to to drag in dallas when i was there at the rose room and stuff but um i've never really been i'm not a really reality tv kind of guy i'm just i know you're not i don't like pettiness i don't like the the bullshit that happens when all these drag queens are together that was a little bit of oh, that yeah. was in this show with aj and the there's queen there's a lot of that in the other and show. i was like if this is the, how you're going to portray <laughs> drag queens like this is not good for your brand rue like that only like two other drag queens were nice and everyone else was just like shallow and mean and bitchy and it was just it wasn't awesome to see that and i'm like you need to do better for for your for your brand man let me just like let me just tell you let me pick my favorite season of rupaul's drag race and let you go watch that and just see you know and then like gauge it from there but there i can't just pick all stars when they know what they're doing uh, well, even those are like super petty, even more so than other seasons. You know what I mean? So if you want to just watch like a competition, right? I'll I'll pick one out maybe, and we'll see what you think. Maybe on the next hot takes or something like that, right? But so you watch that. I'll watch AJ and the Queen, and we'll meet yeah. back and we'll discuss. <laughs> so I have watched some pretty recent horror movies, right? Lately, um, I I watched the movie Relic. Oh yeah. I'm so glad you watched that because I was like dying to talk about it. And it, I know. <laughs> it took you a little while to, to watch it, but I'm glad because it's only been about, I don't know, maybe a month, you know, since I, since I watched it and told you to watch it. Yeah. I think it was released on VOD sometime in early July or sort of mid July. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there was some sort of buzz around it and I know you watched it before I did and told me you wanted to talk to me about it. And I just dragged my fucking feet. Cause I literally just watched it like two days ago. <laughs> so It depends on where you go. Like, I think it's high on rotten tomatoes, but in like letterbox people like dragging it through the mud, you know, like it just depends. Oh on God, really? Go. I didn't even look on like I don't, letterbox. To I don't see. know. Like when I saw, I saw a couple of like low, low ratings and they were just like, Oh, the ending is stupid. And this is stupid. And, it's boring and slow burn. Yeah, it's a slow burn. And it's also an analogy for uh, Alzheimer's, essentially. And I think it's important. And I love the way it ended. And I think if you think about that, and and maybe or if you're armed, knowing that kind of going in, uh, if you just can't take any of the text or subtext somehow, then, <laughs> you know, then that it, it'll be it'll maybe easier ride for you. But I thought it was really, really good. And it creeped me out and it scared me. There's things going on in the background you know uh, especially like the intro and especially the first half of the movie there's things happening in the background and things moving around that you may not notice on a first watch i have seen movies that are a far slower burn than this i thought this movie was very well paced and very well acted yeah and very fucking scary yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) there were certain parts of the, the first half of that movie where i was just like genuinely scared i was like this is a very like scary movie and i know it's an allegory but i mean like it's it's not 
it's not in your face about it really you really have to like watch the no, film it's not in your face but you have to understand that in order to really yes. understand what you're seeing and how that how it ends otherwise if you don't get it if you don't understand what's what they're trying to kind of push across the table then the ending will probably be angry for you but if you understand that you know alzheimer's and dementia and things like that there's still people they're a shell of who they were and how scary and frustrating that is for them and that they still need to be loved and that's kind of the message of the movie and i think it's really important i thought it was done really well and kind of beautifully yeah i completely agree because not only is it frustrating for those people like trying to you know find that sort of acceptance and love with their family but it's also hard for the family right the the kind of people who have to like pull apart that shell and like find the core that you have to love and by god the three performances in this movie by these women are just fantastic such a good movie and i read a review early on when it was released that they said the horror was kind of subtle and i was watching it and i was like well that's bullshit i was like the horror is like right in your face like from the minute you start watching this movie it's so so i'm not sure people know what to do with it in some cases you know they're not sure where to put their emotions and you know you might have to watch it a couple times i've only seen it the once and you know, maybe I'd read a couple things about it beforehand. Um, you know, like Babadook is kind of an analogy, you know, for loss, you know, and, you know, especially that of a close one and, and, you know, dealing with grief versus relic is really dealing with the loss of, of oneself and a loss of a family member, even not their life, but they're kind of their mind and their personage, you know, and I, I think that it's kind of has to be a little bit more subtle in the way it handles that because it's not as black and white as like death or tragedy is. And, you know, I, 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 I made a comment to you sort of off mic when I watched it about how these like Australian women are sort of making these really good horror movies. Yeah. And they, I mean, they are right. And like the, the Duck to me was a very, very good, very well-made horror movie. And I, I still love it to this day. I tell people to go watch it. And, you know, we've also talked about how, like, popularity sort of breeds contempt, right? And so some people were like, the Babadook's not so good. But I think in a couple years, we'll look back on films like Relic and Babadook and maybe even Nightingale. Or Hereditary. I seen it yet. Or Hereditary, right? And, like, we'll have a lot of things to talk about and a lot of things to say. They just have to sit with you for a minute. And so for those of you who have watched Relic and didn't like it or didn't like it as a horror movie, I would encourage you to give it a little space of time and just watch it again. Right. Well, it's one of those things where you can look back at a trend, you know, a decade ago or something or two decades ago where you can really get some space and and time between you and, and really be able to see that trend. And it's it's a, it's those trends that really produce classics or really good movies you know, where they, they, as much as they produce clones, they also produce trends of, of really good movies by themselves that have different things to say, you know? And I think this is a trend of, you know, like really close familial, you know, intimate horror movies that are as important as they are scary and sometimes make you uncomfortable. But I feel like that's definitely, we're kind of hopefully in the middle of a trend and not the tail end of it. Cause I, I would like more like this that have something to say. 
Well, I think they should make you uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's the point. This is why, like, we talk about horror on the film flamers and, and far more than just like your basic horror movie. We talk about horror adjacency and things like that. And there, there's lots of things that you could easily wrap up into an allegory of a horror movie and get across a really big point. Yeah. And so I, I think that Relic is going to be a movie that people talk about for a very long time. Yeah. So at least I hope so. What did you rate Relic? Four stars. Four stars for me too. I mean, like I, and I, I might even go and rate it higher on a second watch or I don't know, I, I, but I'm comfortable with it being at four stars right now. I just, I mean, I really like the places they went in that metaphor, right? Like being lost in your own home, right? Mm-hmm. They really took it in really good places, like being literally lost. And I was just like, this is good. It's very good. So yeah, I, I'm interested to see what other people think about this movie. So if you've seen it, please reach out to us and let us know what you think about Relic yeah, for sure. Definitely. We would be really interested to know. Um, speaking of things that are kind of recent and uh, fresh on our mind, I watched a movie called Host on Shudder. Me too. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I watched this because everybody else in the world was watching it really, but I was surprised. Yeah, me too. And I th- I feel like it's got to be a little bit more poignant for those of us that have been using Zoom or things like Zoom every day at work, all day at work, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just so genius to do it. And I know that it was filmed over the quarantine. I know they took advantage of it, but they did a good job and it was well-written and the, the, it was paced well. And, you know, it's only like 55 minutes or something, which is fine. You know, it's it's longer than a short, but shorter than like a your traditional you know, feature length movie. And I think that's fine too. And they took advantage of digital release. So it doesn't have to be, you know, a theater release where you expect to to sit people in chairs for an hour and a half or longer. And so I'm fine with it. And I thought they did a really good job. It freaked me out, scared me. It had me laughing. It had me frustrated. It had me going through the roller coaster emotions. And, you know, it's, it's a fun, you know, cute, low budget, but really effective movie. And I, I thought it was great. So I, I give it four stars. And I gave it a 3.5. I, I, I liked it quite a bit, but you know, I've sort of been singing the praises of these like computer sort of movies, right? Like unfriended or like dark web, right? Like I, I kind of like those. This one was a lot better. Yeah. Than those it wasn't movies. as like teeny bopper. Certainly. This was right. more. Yeah. These are yeah. like grounded people using zoom in a time where that's all they had to communicate. Right. Or doing something fun as friends. And un- I mean, like, unlike you, I go to work every day still during the pandemic and I don't, I don't use zoom. Like the only time I like video chat with anybody is with you and we're recording our episodes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I can see how people who use that on a daily basis would be a little bit more involved in the film. Yeah. Right. But I mean, I thought it was very well executed. And I will say, so like the director of this movie has now landed a like three picture deal with Blumhouse. Right. So he's going to be making movies. And I think that's fantastic that something can come out of this pandemic and he has something to look forward to. Right. Because I, I think that he created a really good movie. I agree. And you know what? It's made me always look in the background of your video feed for things moving around or weird shadows that shouldn't be there. So you're welcome. I mean, half the time my lights like flickering I know. on and off, right? <laughs> <laughs> it makes it really difficult for me. <laughs> I always God think you're about to die. <laughs> I mean, who knows? <laughs> of course, I have a bunch of creepy masks and posters behind me. So. Yeah, you're fucking masked because it shit on me all the time. But we won't talk about that. <laughs> I just have to look at it all the time. 
I also watched a movie that I know that we were sort of like, we posted about it on social media when they announced it. And I wasn't quite sure I was going to like it very much, but it was the babysitter killer queen. Oh yeah. So the sequel to the babysitter. Did you watch that? Well, of course I did. Cause I'm the one that told you to watch it. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but thanks for the setup. <laughs> I try to have a segue, you know, come on. Well, I want my fucking credit. Technically we watched it on the same night though. Right. Yeah. Because I told you to watch it. I was like, this is batshit. And you were like, okay, I'm going to watch it right now. So, yeah. And I did. For once, I like held my promise. (laughs) Yeah. Because I really enjoyed it. I think we watched Ready or Not. And then we came home and watched The Babysitter because I hadn't seen it yet. And I really dug it. I liked it more than you did. I gave it four stars. I think you gave it three and a half. And Uh so um, I also gave The Babysitter a four stars, the killer killer queen. I thought it was just as good as the original, if not better. Um, It's a little bit more. I felt like the first one didn't suffer from like just outright stupidity. It was wacky and, and batshit just like this one, but it it, it didn't have such stupid Scott Pilgrim moments like this one did. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Okay. And so there was like some places where it just didn't quite land for me. And I was like, Oh, like awkward. (laughs) Like there are no other trying to do, but like it's still a four stars for me. It tells you how entertaining this movie is. <laughs> I cannot tell you. Like I just I had so much fun watching this movie. Yeah. More so <laughs> Yeah, more so than movies I've seen recently. I just like I just I had such a good time. I was laughing. It was super gory in parts. Like it was just so fucking entertaining. Yes. I liked it way more than the first one. I just, just, I just loved it. I thought it was, or at least point five more than the first. One. <laughs> I mean, but that's kind of way more, though. I mean, like it's the, a big jump the, between the three and between, a half and four. Yeah, it really is, you know. And so I have, but since this movie came out last week on Netflix at the time of this recording, I have just seen people take a huge steaming dump all over it. And I don't know why I'm like, you just don't understand. Come on. It's one of those things where you're tempted to say like, you don't get it. But if you're not into wacky, like over the top tongue in cheek horror, like, you know, some of the later evil dead installments or some of the other things that we love, like clue, like if you don't, if you're not into that kind of humor, you know, and you're not going to let yourself get in the car and go, go along for the ride with it. Right. You know, then, then <laughs> fuck you. Then it's not for you. It's for us. I just thought it was so good. Like I, I can see myself watching this movie. Yeah. Many, many times, you know, if I feel like depressed or I just need a laugh, you know, like sometimes you need to cry. Sometimes you need to laugh. I will totally pick the babysitter killer queen and watch it. I would love for this to be so a trilogy. You know, I want him to be like, <gasps> I want the next one to be where he's like, you know, in college or like has a wife and a kids or something, you know, yes, that'd be great. And like, it just happens again. <laughs> I would just love that. Like I wanted this I to be, a, this. I want this to be the babysitter trilogy. And of course I, I just expect like all these like moms and dads to like put this on Netflix for their kids to watch. Cause it's the babysitters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it must be good. It's safe. <laughs> yeah. But I, I want this to be like some sort of, you know, franchise and I want it to be McGee all the way through so that we yeah. get the same quality and passion for the material you know, I, I want all three to be good, you know? So anyway, I want them to continue making them. I'm excited about it. I'll, I, I would watch it again. I can see how rewatchable it is. I really still need to totally. go back and watch the first one again, but I've only watched it that first time with you. So, I mean, but after watching the sequel, I'm like, yes, I, I need to watch that again. Mm-hmm. I just, I know that the entire time I'd be watching it, I'd probably be like counting down the minutes. till I watch the sequel. Maybe it was because time. you were so excited and happy about uh, ready or not that, <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> it was just like. Um, cause, I mean, cause she was so good in that movie. She was so good in Ready or Not. And she was also good at Babysitter. I just, um, it was, you still, know, it was a soft landing for you after Ready or Not. So, yeah, it was true. So I did watch a couple other like sort of recent horror movies. Um, I know we talked about the movie The Hunt a couple shooting the flames ago. Yeah. How was that? It was good. It was also very funny. Like it was a really good satire and not quite what I was expecting. Right. I didn't, I, I didn't see where it was going in the, in the trailers. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it made me laugh a lot. I gave it 3.5 stars. This is something that I would definitely watch again. I love Hilary Swank and I like Betty Gilpin and she was really great in this too. And so I, this is cer- certainly something that you should watch. Okay. Um, I also watched a movie called Vivarium. Okay. Which is a little bit more sci-fi than horror. I've seen that. It's been recommended to me on uh, wherever it is, Netflix or Amazon or Shudder. It's it's on Amazon Prime right okay. now. Um, and I really think that you would like this movie. Actually, it's it's very strange. Okay. It's very sci-fi-y, right? I've seen but- its rating on Amazon, which is pretty low, but I feel like it's one of the top-rated horror films this year by critics. And now that you've given it a four, I'm definitely going to see it. Yes, I gave this a four stars and I, it sort of like blew me away. Like it's it's a really interesting movie. And, you know, I like movies with very limited cast and a very limited setting. And this is sort of what it is. Yeah. Right. And so it sort of like checks all my boxes. Right. But um, Jesse Eisenberg is in this and Imogene Poots. Oh, that's why I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but Imogene Poots, though. Come on. You have to love the Poots. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. But it's good, and it has, like, quite possibly the most, like, infuriating child ever set to, like, cinema. (laughs) So, like, that reason alone is, like, worth the watch. It's a really, really, like, interesting movie, and something that's a little outside of my wheelhouse, you know, And but it, I liked it, so... Well, I went back, and I watched the Hellboy remake, or reimagining, or what have you. Reboot. Reboot, yes. Maybe. Yes, maybe. Yeah. Mayhaps. And I thought it was good. Um, they really, what I didn't expect was they really kept the Guillermo del Toro style monsters. And some of them are just as good or better than any of the ones that have been designed in, in any of his movies so far. And mm-hmm. there is so much gore. Like <gasps> an amazing, like the probably one of the goriest movies I've ever seen. And some of wow. it's fairly inventive. <laughs> like like and it's not what the monsters so much do to some of the people it's that they're the monsters themselves are designed to kill people in certain ways so it's it's hard to okay like if y'all can see the look on my face right now i'm just (laughs) (laughs) no you need to see it just for that i mean it's worth seeing some of the actors in this um I thought it was i thought it was well done it's just kind of they didn't quite nail the tone and the story is interesting i guess the acting is spotty here and there mila jovovich blush her heart this is not her best role (laughs) but she plays the main bad guy and which is kind of interesting for her and so i thought it was good and i'd watch it again and just for the creature design alone and some of the gore it's just over the top so uh, i would recommend it for those of you uh over the top you know tongue-in-cheek gore fans and for those of you that are interested in design i'm raising my hand i um yeah 
this movie was sort of critically panned when it came out. And so I was a little yeah. like hesitant to watch it. Right. But I trust your recommendations. So. Yeah. Like I said, it's a three star. Right. But it's definitely worth a watch, especially if you enjoy those certain aspects that it does well and it does them very well. So I think you would enjoy it. Good. Okay. Yeah. I'll add it to my list for sure. I've also been really jonesing for more Mike Flanagan in my life after my of love affair with The Haunting of Hill House, as well as the wonderful Dr. Sleep. And so I've just been jonesing for more Mike Flanagan. And of course, I've enjoyed some of his other work that he did. Uh, that one where the ladies chained to the wall and that one Stephen King thing. Oh, Gerald's, Gerald's Game. Game. You also yeah. like Oculus. I also like, really I, I, I love really Oculus. Think that I think Flanagan is pretty much like your like recent director of Yeah, Jones. and no one else so. likes Oculus. I love Oculus. I like Oculus. I thought it was really inventive and I thought it was really, really effective. And I love horror like that that's not explained. But anyway, you know that about me. So I watched uh Ouija, Origin of Evil, and I've I've kind of stayed away from it because I I the first one was rated so horribly and is so panned universally. And I didn't want to start in the second one, but then I realized, oh, it's a prequel, so I don't have to watch the first one. So I watched Ouija Origin of Evil, and it was really good. I thought it was really yes. good. Like four mm-hmm. stars. Like I yeah. I thought some of the stuff that they did in that was really, really good. But you know, that's Mike Flanagan for you. You know, he's really good about balance in a, in, in a movie between characterization as well as horror. And he's really good at effective and spooky and creepy horror and dread and all of that. And so he does it and it's different enough in all of his different things to be interesting and new and fresh at each time. So I, I really enjoy that. And it's one of the reasons why I enjoy him so much. So yeah, go watch uh, Ouija origin of evil. If you haven't already, it's, it's a, it's a really solid horror flick. I have to second that. I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit when I saw it. I've only seen it the one time. It's sort of like when it first came out on like, you know, VOD, <clears throat> but I mean like Mike Flanagan really doesn't make bad horror movies. He makes excellent horror movies. And I just, I don't think that I've seen a film of his or even a series of his that I disliked at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that he's just so, so good. And we talk a lot about like the directors of the past that we like, and we talk about their oeuvre. And I think we, we fail to like realize like people are creating their oeuvres right now. Right. And I think that Flanagan is one that we're going to be talking about for quite some time. And he, he seems makes super dedicated to the horror genre, which I love. Yes. I mean, he's yeah, me going to, his name is going to go up there right with, you know, all the other horror greats and directing, you know, just mm-hmm. based on the last 10 years alone. And he's still like our age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, maybe a maybe little. That older. makes me feel a little bit. <laughs> so, no, I'm I'm really really excited about the future, and I cannot wait for Bly Manor. And I love that he gets to yes. do everything that he gets to do across TV and movies and everything else. Uh, I'm still kind of sick about Doctor Sleep not being as successful as it was, you know. But I am I'm really looking forward to everything in his future, including the Christopher Pike series that's coming out. Well, take heart because when Doctor Sleep was released on HBO and HBO Max, right? I saw a flood of conversations on social media, people talking about that movie and people are starting to like go watch it and sort of understand just how good of a movie it was, not just a good horror movie, but a really good, well-made movie. And like, I again, this is another one of those things that people are going to be talking about like years later. I think it just takes a little time to digest, but people are really going to like find Mike Flanagan 
And I'm glad you watched Ouija Origin of Evil. I liked yeah. it a lot. I think you should watch the first one, though, because I also liked that you one, You know, too, I was just thinking, bit. I was like, you know what? I love the Russo brothers, but fuck them. I really want a team up of James Wan and Mike Flanagan to do the Poltergeist remake. Oh, my God. Yes. I think I would just like shit myself with excitement. Like a Mike Flanagan directed, James Wan produced. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be so good. Uh, I uh, I watched a couple more movies. Um, these are both sort of like tied into like rental properties, right? Okay. And I know that right now during this pandemic, you have to travel in the safest way possible and like beach houses or things like that are the way to do it. So I watched a movie called The Beach House that was put on Shutter. It's sort of a Shutter original about um, these couple this young couple who go to his father's beach house there's already a couple there and after some sort of like pot fueled night they realize that they're sort of being invaded by creatures either from the sea or from space or something it was very very bizarre this movie was sort of like the perfection for me like you didn't know where it was going right it could either be like like twisted turning yeah, like a, either like a trippy movie or an invasion movie or a zombie movie. Like, who the fuck knows? It was good. You know, I, it, I, I enjoyed it. I gave it 3.5 stars. Okay. Um, I also watched a movie called The Rental. Oh. And this is something that was directed by uh, Dave Franco. Yeah, you've you've asked me to watch that. And I think it's the cast that, that got me down. Like, who's in it? Uh, Alison Brie is in it. And... Um, uh, that guy from uh, what? He's so fucking hot from the guest in Downton Abbey. Oh yeah, but he looks like he's yeah. I really love he's, him, and I love the guest. Man, we don't talk enough about that movie, and that's and it's a wonderful soundtrack. Anyway, I digress. But this guy's super douchey in this movie. Yeah, and I don't want to <laughs> so, see him like, douchey. So, <laughs> <laughs> but he's he he plays it well. Like it, it was a, it was a really good movie. It was very taut, very like sort of Hitchcockian to me, right? And um, it also takes a really sharp twist and becomes a different movie toward the end of it. And it really like plays upon some like really like 2020 fears or like recent fears about like spying on you. And you never know where you're staying and how like easy we are to go into someone's home or car. Right. And it's just like it was terrifying. I gave it 3.5 stars, but I'm sort of bordering on four. Okay, I'll add it to my list. Generally, I only add to my list if you have a four or more. (laughs) I think your gut's slowly getting that. <laughs> well, now I know the fucking secret. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that said, you've given some things three and a half stars that I've given higher, you know, four stars or more. So it's rare, but it happens. So maybe I should start paying more attention to your three and a half. I, I, I think you would like this movie. At least I'd be interested to know why you didn't like it. Right. Yeah. I think it touches on a lot of things that are very, very current and, um, you know, something that they may be talking about later on, maybe not so much as like relic, right? But I think that if you're talking about like like current things that scare okay. people, you know, it's, it's something to watch. All right. Well, you hooked me. But uh, finally, I watched one last documentary, and this one is like four hours long. Christ. And it's called In Search of Darkness, A Journey into Iconic 80s Horror. <laughs> okay. And I don't have much to say about it because it really just plays out as like the greatest hits of 80s horror, right? And so like if you have ever loved a horror movie from the 80s, go watch this documentary because you're going to find a shit ton other things that either you missed or haven't seen since you were like 
a wee child or whatever, mm-hmm. but like it's a really good, well spent four hours that I had to break up over three days. <laughs> so, Have you watched any of the movies yet based on that? One. Was it a hit or was it a miss? It was um, kind of a miss. So I watched Cat People. Cat People. I know. <laughs> I had only seen the original Cat People, the Val Luton Cat People, and I've never seen the 80s remake with Natasha Kinski and uh, Malcolm McDowell or whoever's in that movie. It was just like, and you see him naked. I was like, this is the last man I want to see naked, really. But Cat People was kind of like, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that a lot of people will come for me saying that. But more than that, just go watch the documentary. Four hours seems like a long time, but I guarantee you, you will come away from it with just a whole list of things to watch. And we're going into October, and this is the perfect time to make a list like that. Well, I think that just about wraps up our Hot Takes episode. And as always, everything that we've rated, like basically three stars or higher, is something that we recommend our listeners watch. But I think above everything else in this list today... I think between the two of us, we both recommend Relic and the Babysitter Killer Queen the most. Yes. So please let us know what you thought of those. That's right. And um, we know that we have like rapid fired off these movies and TV shows and things like that. But Chris, so nicely lists all these things in our show notes. So if you've heard us talk about something, (laughs) if you've heard us talk about something and you sort of forgot about it, go back and check the show notes. It'll remind you and it'll show you where to go watch it. I have stopped linking them though. So want, want. They'll be listed in the show notes. They will be listed in the show notes because now we just have to copy and paste. (laughs) But yeah, so we have a whole bunch of things coming out for you in October. So stay tuned. I'm going to try to do a 31 and 31, which will probably fill up the greater part of our hot takes, or at least our next hot takes episode, mm. right? So, but that should be a couple months from now. And I'm going to one up you and do 32. No, I'm just going to watch all of the, <laughs> I'm just going to watch all of the, the movies that you've recommended to me over the last couple of years over this podcast that I still haven't watched. Well, the ones that are four stars or higher. And uh, I'm going to let you know what I thought about them. And I am going to do the same. So I want you to make a list for me and send it my way. And that's going to populate a lot of my October watching. But we have some episodes coming out in October for you. Aside from our shooting the flames, we will be covering the movie Terrified. I know I'm pretty excited to talk about Terrified because it really did fucking terrify me. Oh, me too. It got me. (laughs) And that rarely happens when we're both like very scared of a movie. Well, I don't say very. We'll talk about it later on. And what better time to be terrified than Halloween? So that will be our Halloween Jeep dive. That's right. Spooky season. And maybe there's going to be another poll to see what we choose to flash back to over on Patreon. So if you head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers, you can find all of our bonus content and maybe influence the future bonus content. That's right. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, head over and give us a five-star rating because it really helps us out and gets us noticed over there. And we will read all the reviews that you write on our next Shooting the Flames episode. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on social media at the Film Flamers, or you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. We love to hear from you and we love those voicemails. So keep them coming. That's right. We will play those voicemails on our next Shooting the Flames. And we've given you a whole list of movies to watch, right? Give us your own hot takes. Call in. Tell us what you think about these movies. Well, Robert... 
I have watched a ton of content and I have got to get some uh, rest. <laughs> You're not going to go watch more content for the next... I might go watch Vivarium. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope Vivarium gives you some... Sweet dreams. Even though I know for a fact that annoying-ass child in the movie will not give you any sweet dreams. It will make sure you never <laughs> breed. <laughs> Actually, uh, if you watch this movie, you have to tell me immediately. That actress face will not give me sweet dreams. For <laughs> <laughs> her name, really. <laughs> but, but no, the other one, the one I know, the man, the, gu- the guy. Oh, Jesse Eisenberg? Yeah. Yeah, he's got it. Yeah, he's... He's okay in this movie. I don't know. We can't even use this for like the intro. Fuck no. yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, shit.